following them? Do we need them in the day that we live? And uh, try to take a biblical view uh, looking at them. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, and uh, let's look in verse number 12. 1 Timothy 4, verse number 12. Paul tells Timothy, he says, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message and speak to our hearts. May we learn something this afternoon that will uh, not only instruct us and teach us about standards, but will also cause us to have a desire to develop them and to uh, hold uh, closely to them in our lives. And so, Father, may Your Holy Spirit do His work. May Your Word be brought forth clearly and by way of instruction to us. May we take heed to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul is dealing with a a young man in ministry. Uh, I will say this. I, I... Came out of Bible college with a uh, desire to be a youth pastor, and uh, I had—I was telling someone the other day—I had <clears throat> in my teenage years, I had five different youth pastors in six years, and um, a very difficult time uh, to go through. And about the time you uh, you gave your heart to one of them, they'd leave, you know. And I promised the Lord when I went to work at a ministry as a youth pastor, I said, Lord, I'm not going to do that to a group of young people. And I said, I'm just going to be here, and I'm content where I'm at. And uh, was doing that until uh, my dad passed away, or until we knew he was going to pass away, excuse me. And uh, was content in that. Had no uh, designs or desires to, uh, to move beyond being an assistant pastor and helping uh, a pastor uh, in pastoring and, and being a youth pastor. And, uh, but I remember... Uh, as a young man, there was a, there was a lot of pressure uh, coming out of college in the uh, early, mid-90s. There was a lot of pressure to um, go a direction of um, a lot of churches were going at that time, of what they referred to back then as seeker-friendly uh, churches. churches. And they, what they meant by that is they would go out and take surveys, and they would ask people, what, what would you like to see in a church? And we will mold our church around the desires of society. And uh, both with my peers and people I had graduated college with, and even some that were uh, slightly older than I was in ministry, uh, there was a lot of pressure, I I guess would be the easiest way to say it, Uh, a lot of temptation, a lot of enticement to pursue that direction in ministry. I'm thankful that uh, my... Uh, my dad was the pastor of the church, and he always was very patient with me and um, very helpful in instructing and guiding me and showing me things that I didn't always see as a young man uh, right off. And Paul is, Paul is taking a role here in Timothy's life that I can, I can kind of relate to, I think, because Paul Timothy's a very young in ministry still at this time. More than likely, he's maybe in his 40s or so, so he's not really a young man as far as like a teenager, um, but he's young in ministry. And I don't know that the temptations that we have today uh, are any worse or better than they were in Paul's day. They're, they're different. I think there's different temptations today than there were back then and, and things that would cause a, a young man's heart in ministry to, to 
turn a different direction. But, but I think that there was still the battle. I believe there was still the choice to make. Paul spoke quite, uh, com- quite commonly through his uh, epistles uh, to be on guard and to be watchful for um, ravening wolves, false prophets, false teachers. And so already in that day, even just a few years after uh, Christ's earthly ministry, there was already doctrinal error creeping in. There was compromise creeping into the churches. And uh, Paul tells Timothy here, he says, uh, to be an example of the believers. Uh, and I don't know that uh, this is a, a challenge that we come to in God's Word, that we say, well, that's, that's, a, that's a challenge that is given to uh, a position of leadership. Now, certainly I believe leadership ought to follow this principle. But I believe this principle is to be applied in every Christian's life. That we are to be uh, living in such a way that we are an example to other believers. Uh, Paul is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. God intends for Paul to write these exact words to us so that we can hear 2,000 years or so later, learn from them. And he goes on to tell him, he says, uh, you need to be an example of the believers in word. And then he uses this phrase, in conversation. And uh, we know that conversation here is not dealing with uh, the things coming out of his mouth, or that the usage in this case is dealing with his uh, manner of life. And the reason we know that is because he's already dealt with what's coming out of his mouth. Uh, so we have in word, in his conversation, or the way that he's living uh, at this point, in charity, in his spirit, uh, in the spirit that he portrays, in his faith that he had, and then he's supposed to be an example of the believers in the purity that he exhibits in his life. Now, I will say this, that Paul pretty well covers most every aspect of a man's life in those few words, doesn't he? There's very little you could not put under one of those categories and not make sure that every aspect of our life is covered in those things. Turn with me also, if you will, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 for a moment. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and again, Paul's speaking here to Timothy. And he speaks of the fact that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Verse 16, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, all of it is, for doctrine, for reproof, (coughs) for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Notice this verse, all of those things, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto what? All good works. All good works. Paul is speaking here two different times to Timothy about the importance that is placed on being an example of believers to give ourselves and to commit ourselves to exhibiting outwardly the character traits that will exhibit uh, the character of Christ in us. Um, he speaks to the fact in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that we gain these abilities by studying Scripture, by looking to the Bible for our standards. So I, I've written a couple things down just this week and, and trying to answer some questions. I, I've recently dealt with several instances where uh, people have misused the term legalism and uh, they... They think that any standard at all is a legalistic viewpoint. Well, uh, I've tried to be very clear with them and explain to them the true definition and meaning of legalism and how that having standards is not legalism, by the way. It is not. 
in case you weren't here in the earlier service, uh, to tell somebody that their salvation, what determines whether they go to heaven or hell, is based on their standards. That is legalism. But to tell somebody that having a standard is legalistic, they're mistaken in their definition of the word legalism. Because the Bible is very, very clear that there should be something different externally in the life of every Christian. So much so that we are to be an example to those around us. In the things that we say, in the the way that we live our life, in our spirit, our attitude about things, in our faith, our dedication, our consecration to Christ, in charity, our love for others and our desire to want to be a blessing and a help to others, uh, and then in our purity. And boy, in the day that we're living today, uh, there, there's a, a huge emphasis to be placed on this thing of purity. We're living in one of the most ungodly and impure worlds and civilizations that's ever existed in the time of, uh, of man. And uh, Christians, of all people, need to be examples in all of these areas. So I wrote a few things down here. First of all, uh, what is a standard? What is a standard? Uh, a standard is not necessarily uh, doctrine, all right? Uh, doctrine is something a little bit different. Doctrine is uh, the truth of God's Word that we base our faith upon uh, in uh, our practice and how we go about uh, practicing our, our uh, manner of worship, uh, how we go about telling people how to be saved and that sort of a thing. So that deals with our doctrine. When it comes to our standards, I wrote down this. Standards are the building blocks of our character that are visible to others through our testimony. They're the building blocks of our character that are visible to others through our testimony. Uh, and, and we're going to expound on that a little bit further through, through some things. Turn with me, if you will. Uh, to Deuteronomy chapter number 22. Deuteronomy chapter number 22. And I want us to look at some things um, regarding why, uh, what, what benefit is it to us or to God uh, for us to have standards? Why, what's the big deal about it? Uh, should we have them? Should we not? If I don't, is it a big deal? Uh, well, let's take a look and see what the Bible has to say about it. Look with me in Deuteronomy chapter number 22. <clears throat> and uh, let's look in verse number 8. Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse number 8. When thou buildest a new house, then thou shalt make a battlement for thy roof, that thou bring not blood upon thine house, if any man fall from thence. And God is in the middle of giving the law here to the nation of Israel, and He's speaking literally of literal houses, literal battlements, And the idea that if a man died because of your negligence, you were guilty of his blood. That was the Old Testament law. But there is a principle, I think, that is found in this verse that can be so easily applied to our life. I'm going to give you three purposes that I know of for standards in our lives. And there probably are several more, and I don't don't want to claim that this is an exhaustive list of reasons why. But one of the reasons why we should have standards in our lives is standards help guard against falling into sin. They keep us from the edge. Uh, We then set standards not based on how close we can get to the sin without doing it, 
But we set it up as a safeguard for us. And so when you develop a standard, um, there are times that it is okay to say, okay, here's where the Bible sets the line, but I'm going to go a step beyond that and set it even higher. God is never going to get upset for us going beyond the minimum that He tells us in Scripture. And in fact, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this later. As the Holy Spirit deals with our hearts and causes us to have an understanding of our strengths and, and our weaknesses, we may have to have a standard in an area that is different and maybe either higher or even maybe lower than someone else's standard in that same area. Um, well, I'll give you an illustration of that in just a little bit, but keep that thought in mind for a moment. Uh, then the second reason that uh, we find is that the standards are necessary in a Christian's life, or given in a Christian's life, we found, as we read uh, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, and that is that we are an example. We are an example by our standards. We are helpful to other Christians that are growing and maybe just getting started in their Christian walk to be able to look to and say, uh, that's something I need to try to work on in my life. We can be an encouragement and a help to them. Not that we're better than they are. That's not the, we don't look at it arrogantly and say, well, I have this standard and he's way down there. We do it to try to encourage them in their growth with the Lord. Um, very, very important that we understand not to, not to flaunt our standard as something that I have arrived or I am attaining this. And we're going to talk about that a little bit further here also in just a moment uh, when we get into uh, some of the types of standards that there are. The third thing that we find uh, is a, uh, a reason for a standard in our life is it, it gives us the ability to express our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It gives us the ability to express the love that we have for the Lord Jesus Christ. You realize men can't see your heart. And they can't see mine. But when they see that I have a standard that is set in such a way that it is my desire to please God, men can see and understand that I love Him. That I don't want to do anything to cause a reproach to Him or an embarrassment to Him. And so we develop standards once we know the purpose of them and the importance of them. Uh, we don't look at them as something that is uh, grievous to us, that is difficult to us, and uh, very important that we need to understand our purpose behind biblical standards. Now, there are several kinds of standards the Bible speaks of. I'm going to give you illustrations, Lord willing, uh, biblical illustrations of each of these. There are three basic types of standards. that You could probably break these down into some more subheadings even of these Types. But the first one is, there are standards that are explicitly given in Scripture. There's no doubt about it, everybody is to have this particular standard because it's what the Bible says. Uh, it has to be that, and it has to be uh, exactly that. The second type of a standard that there is, is one that maybe the Bible does not explicitly state, but gives a principle that we follow in establishing other standards. Now, the first one, we can 
dogmatically talk, uh, teach and authoritatively teach and say, if you do not have this, it's wrong because it's going against what the Scripture says. When we begin to get into the principle developed standards, we can still teach them authoritatively as long as we explain the principle and teach that from Scripture and show the connection. But we cannot say that you are wrong if you don't have it in your life because it may not be something in your life that uh, God has convinced you of that principle in that way. It may be our understanding of that principle that has caused us to come up with that standard. The third type of a standard is a personal standard. Uh, Personal standards are standards that, as I grow closer to the Lord, as I kind of understand the direction of His heart, and I, I, I read this, and I understand He's going here, and I read something else, and I understand He's going here, and then all of a sudden I see it. Okay, I see the whole direction He's going. I'm not going to wait till I get there. I'm going to go ahead and make that standard now in my life. And we choose to have a personal standard. And personal standards would be something along the lines of, I know that that is a weakness in my life. So rather than set my standard here, I'm going to set it so far away that it helps keep me from that, that temptation even. Those I can teach, provided I tell, this is my standard. Here's why it's my standard. And it's okay if you don't have that standard. As long as you have a standard towards that direction, it may not be the same one I have. So you've got to be careful, because sometimes if we're not careful, we'll group all standards into one category and say that if you don't have all the standards I have, then you're wrong. (laughs) That's our tendency, isn't it? Uh, Some of them, that is the case. Some of them, it could be the case. Some of them, it's definitely not the case. And we need to understand that there are different types of standards that we develop in our lives based on these things. Let me give you some examples of this. Let's look in Matthew chapter number 5, and let's look in verse number 27. Matthew chapter number 5 and verse number 27. I'm just going to give you some, some samplings. Uh, again, these are things that uh, as we read Scripture, God will make apparent to us. Uh, as I teach sometimes from, from the Bible in a message, uh, I may teach on one or more of these standards, and, and we'll show them from Scripture uh, to be so. Matthew chapter number 5, and let's look in verse number 27. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. Uh, There is not a whole lot of room for interpretation on this standard. We are not to commit adultery, nor are we to look upon a woman to lust after her. Uh, I can pretty well get up in the pulpit and say, If you do contrary to that, it's sin. Because it is very clearly and explicitly stated in Scripture, even the preciseness of this. By the way, it'd be good if our world learned this principle today, isn't it? I'm appalled at how much adultery and even fornication goes on inside the church houses that I hear about. Uh, It's amazing. Very few weeks ever go by that I do not hear of some scandal in some church uh, that has arisen. Uh, even here just last week, I was talking with somebody about a local church in the area that changed their name because of a scandal that had happened. And they're trying to get out from the, the, the stigma that comes from that. And uh, this, this standard is what we would consider to be an explicit standard. It can be taught and it can be preached authoritatively. And yes, we can hold one another accountable to this standard. 
This is one that when we see a brother or a sister not following it, we consider them overtaken in a fall, and we, which are spiritual, we go to them and try to help them in that area. Let's look in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. And this is the one I'm going to have to probably go to the altar on in just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, and let's look in uh, verse number 16, very familiar uh, passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Okay, so we understand that our, our bodies are the temple, our lives are the temple of God, and that it is to be holy, but he does not give specific standards here, does he? But can we find specific standards? Well, certainly we can. Uh, if our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and we're not to defile that, then anything that would be harmful... Ugh, I can't believe I'm having to preach this. To our bodies, then becomes defiling of the, of the temple. We are not treating it with a sacredness. Um, we can preach on smoking, not because the Bible talks about it. There is only one place that I know of in Scripture that even deals at all, even vaguely, with the concept of smoking, and that was when uh, Rachel uh, saw was it Rachel that saw Isaac and lit off her camel, and that's the only uh, thing I know of. But anyway, but we teach on smoking, and, and you know, preachers years ago, D.L. Moody, some of these guys would smoke cigars. But when, when men of God began to understand that there was a health risk to that, then we began preaching against it. Why? Because we use a principle of Scripture to develop the standard. By doing this, God was, God's perfect in writing His Word. Isn't it amazing how He is? There are certain things that just we need to know, and He tells us flat out, here's what it is. But He's made this Bible, I hate to use this word because it's a, it's a millennial word in, in religion, but He's made this book relevant for every generation, by giving principles that while he may not deal with every aspect of a society during this time period of history, that principle is applicable throughout the endless ages of history. Um, what about uh, illicit drugs and the destructive properties of the addictions of drugs on a body? So we preach against drugs. Does the Bible teach specifically that thou shalt not take heroin or morphine or... Some of these others, you know, what's Oxycontin, what are these, some of these other ones? Uh, cocaine and all these things. No, it doesn't tell us specifically, but we have a principle, don't we? What about overeating? I have written in my notes. It's a principle of Scripture, isn't it? So do we set up a standard in our life? Um, I'll say this. There is validity. God made man to work. We are not satisfied fully if we do not work. But it is possible to get to a point of being a workaholic that is not good for the body. Do we set a standard there? Again, not, not dealt with specifically or explicitly of Scripture. So you see the difference we're talking about here. There are principles of Scripture that we use and we can teach and we can even preach them. And we can teach and preach them with authority based on the principle. 
But while it may be in my conscience to have a specific principle based on, or standard based on that principle, it may not have gotten to your conscience yet. For me to say that you're wrong for not having the same standard I have, that I've based on that principle, my understanding of that principle, is, is not correct. I should not judge you on not having that standard. Now, can I judge you and hold you accountable for the ones that God explicitly states? Absolutely, because God explicitly stated that one. We are to hold one another accountable. We're to pray for one another, help one another. Can we encourage others to grow based on this principle? Absolutely. It's not wrong to teach or to explain why I have the standard I have. And we ought not be offended if somebody teaches us in a, from that perspective that this is a standard I have. Uh, it's based on this principle. And I think pretty well you can clearly see that these are things that would be uh, derived from this. Um, what about... Uh, I'm going to meddle here. What about exceeding the speed limit? Does it say, thou shalt not exceed the speed limit? No, but the Bible says that we're to be subject to those that are in authority over us. Provided it doesn't go against the contraries of Scripture, we're to to yield to that authority. Because it is our testimony to do so. Road rage. Should we have a standard on that? Somebody cuts us off in traffic. The Bible doesn't deal with that explicitly, does it? But does it teach us to be kind to our enemies? Do good to those that despitefully use us? There are principles that we ought set personal, there are biblical standards that are based on Bible principles. Um, and so I think that every Christian ought take every principle of Scripture that we find and say, what standards do I need to put in place in my life as that battlement, that guard against sinning on that principle? What things do I need to put in place that keep me from that sin? What things do I need to put in place that help me to be an example to the unbelievers and to the believers in that area of that principle? And this is how we develop standards. Uh, pastor may have a set of standards. This church may have a set of standards. But for me to say that the list of standards I have or the list of standards this church has is an exhaustive list according to Scripture would not be an accurate statement. Every person has standards. Whether you're for standards or not, you have them. I promise you, you do. I didn't see anybody go out of the house without clothes on this morning. You have a standard. It may be different than mine, but you have a standard. Everybody does. The importance for a Christian is that we base our standards on things we know to be true from God's Word. And then there are some personal standards. Now, personal standards can, can be things that I personally just... That's, that's something I feel like very strongly on, uh, that I need to be this way on it. Um, and they may include standards that are for no other reason than administratively it helps things work more smoothly. Um, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, look with me in verse number 12. Paul makes this statement. He says, all things are lawful unto me. By the way, let me, let me, let me just bring this up. 
I would encourage, in this principle specifically, I would encourage each of us to take and thoughtfully study through the book of Galatians on the issue of liberty. Uh, it will help us, I think, understand this principle of standards. And if I, if I could encourage you to do one thing, maybe even this week, uh, Galatians is not a big book. But take time to carefully and thoughtfully go through it with the idea of learning what it has to say about Christian liberty. Uh, but as we look at verse number uh, 12, Paul says this, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 12 uh, says that we should run the race with patience. Verse number 2, run the race with patience. Uh, the race is set before us with patience. And it says, laying aside the weight and the sin, which does so easily beset us. There are things that just hinder our growth in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, things that slow us down spiritually, that don't draw our hearts to the Lord. Uh, we need to be careful that we set standards for that. It may be limiting the amount of time that we spend weekly in recreation. Maybe we're time wasters. Maybe we are not redeeming the time, uh, according to Scripture. Uh, maybe we know that there are weaknesses in certain areas of our uh, recreation. Um, maybe things that we do to consume our time in reading or uh, watching television or being on computers. Uh, standards that we could put into place. Uh, this word expedient, Paul uses here. Uh, I looked up in the Webster's Dictionary to get the old English translation of it. And uh, it means this, it means urging forward, uh, nudging forward, getting, keeping progress moving. Uh, and it also means that which serves to promote or advance. So all things are lawful for me, but all things are not going to help me advance in the Christian life. And so I may have some personal standards that I put in place that help me in my life Pursue after Christ, and it takes the roadblocks and the speed bumps out of the way, the weights that Hebrews talks about, out of the way in my life. Now, that exact same standard may not work the same way in your life. It may not take that speed bump or that weight out of your life. And again, these are, these are standards that it's okay to let people know you have. But these, most importantly, we cannot require of someone else. Because there are standards that we have put into place. There are standards that we've done to try to help us uh, become quicker uh, at, at following after the Lord. So I've written a couple of uh, application examples of this. If, if for instance, uh, I am an alcoholic. Let's say in my past life I was given alcohol. I've got a taste for it. It really has a power over me and strength on me. I may set a standard that I am not going to go to any retail place that serves or sells alcohol or liquor. Now, does that mean that it's wrong for you to go to Walmart? No. So I can't say, well, if you go to Walmart, you're sinning, because that is a personal standard in my life. It's there to help me. It's there for one of the purposes of standards, and that is to put a hedge or a fence or a bulwark for me. But you may not have that issue in your life. So I can't require that standard of you. What about, uh, what about the lack of faithfulness? 
Well, I'm too busy. I, I never forget a youth pastor. Such a, I would ask, ask kids or parents, are, are they coming to the youth activity? Well, if we don't have something else going on. What was that? That was a lack of faithfulness. In other words, we're going to see it's, it's on our list of things to do, but it's not real high priority to go to this. Uh, so maybe, maybe I put a standard in my life that I am going to remove or limit things that waste my time, that cause me to not have time for the things of God. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to go to revival meeting because I'm busy that night washing my hair or doing laundry. Well, then I'm going to remove them. I'm just going to throw my laundry out and go buy a whole new wardrobe so I can go to revival meeting. Ladies, you can use that excuse for your husbands. Don't know that it'll work, but you can try. But again, that would be a personal standard, so don't require it of everyone. So I hope, do, do we understand the difference here? You've got three, three basically different types of standards. Uh, each of them have their purpose. Now, why do we have these standards? Uh, what, what is it that motivates us to have them? Uh, let's take a look at uh, a couple things. There are certain things that are the driving force. Uh, I would say it this way. This will be, from Scripture, this will be, what not only causes us to have a standard, but to live by it consistently. Because I know there are times in our lives where we may have a standard, but we're kind of wishy-washy on when we follow it. When it's convenient, we follow it. And when it's not convenient, we don't follow it. We'll stand up in church and say, boy, we ought to have this standard. But then when it costs me something, I'm not quite as strong on it as I should be. What is it that motivates us to have these standards and to hold by them steadfastly? Let's take a look in John chapter 14. John chapter number 14. John chapter 14 and verse number 15. John writes this as he pins what Christ is saying. If ye love me, what? Keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. So, I want, to, I want to deal with this for just a minute because I think so often we, we misinterpret what this verse is saying. Some of us, over the years, have, with, without putting it in so many words, by the way we address standards in our lives, or the way we address our obedience to the things that God's told us to do in His Word, we, we come to this mindset that if I keep His commandments that that is what causes me to love Him. But that is not what John is saying here, nor is it what Christ is saying here. Christ is saying, if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Standards are not done in order to love God. Standards are the fruit of loving God. They are the outward pouring of a desire to love Him with all of our heart. Look in 1 John chapter number 5, and I'm going to show this in a couple of places, because I think this is so vitally important. I've, I've met people who get in church, they, they hear good, solid preaching on, on principles, they hear explicit standards that God's given, they, they say, okay, I'm going to put that standard in my life, I have to, it's there, it's in Scripture, and I'm going to be obedient to it. And you watch these people, and outwardly, they're some of the highest standard Christians you've ever met. 
They go to church every time the doors are open. They carry their big black King James Bible and they tuck it even up under their, their uh, shoulders so they look really pious with it. And, and they, they come to church. And from every appearance, you think, boy, this person is highly spiritual. Until you look at their face and there's such sadness and sorrow and a stoicness to their... And, and you can just feel almost the, the, the frustration or the... <clears throat> the inner turmoil they have of, boy, I'm doing all these things outwardly. I'm giving it my very best because I want to love God the way I should. They're looking at it backwards. We love God the way we should, and He'll produce these things as we see them in Scripture in our lives. Look with me in First John chapter number 5, and we'll see this a little bit more clearly, and then we're going to look at an uh, 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 even more clearly in the next verse. Verse number five, chapter number five, verse number one. First John chapter five. Whoso believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth Him that begat loveth Him also that is begotten of Him. So we're dealing here with the fact that we've been born again, and because we've been born again, we love Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God. And keep His commandments. Notice the order. He doesn't say when we keep His commandments and love God. He says when we love God and keep His commandments. The commandments are kept because we love Him. You say, are you sure about that? Look at the next verse. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. That's pretty clear, isn't it? And if that's not proof enough... Read the rest of the verse. And His commandments are not grievous. If I keep His commandments because I have to, you and I both know there is a level of, I'm doing it because I have to. There's no joy in it. There's no joy in that. When I was growing up, Mom and Dad set rules in our house. And they would say, Greg, you're to do this. And if I ever had the courage to ask why. They said, because I said so. You had parents like that too, I guess. Because I said so. I will tell you this. I obeyed, but not because I loved mom and dad. I obeyed because I was scared to death of dad's belt. Years later, as I grew in my love for my parents, it was amazing how pleasurable it became to obey them. I wasn't obeying because I was scared of Dad's belt anymore. There came a time where the belt didn't really do a whole lot to me. But when I knew I had disappointed my dad, it tore me up. What made the difference my love, not my have to, but my get to. I get the privilege to be an example of the believers. I get, I get the privilege to reflect the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I should have written this passage down. Let's see if I can find it here.
Give me just a moment. It just came to mind. Oh, and I know it's in either first or second Peter chapter two. The verse that speaks of walking in the steps. Anybody know that reference right off the top of their head? Nobody has that one. Uh, there we go. Verse 21. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Just took a minute to find it. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow His steps. We are to reflect the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 21. He is our example. Uh, very important that we understand what our reason for the standards are. We need to understand what standards are. We need to understand the types of standards and which ones we can be holding accountable one another to, which ones we can encourage each other in, and which ones we can share with each other, but we can't demand it of somebody. And then I will say this, when we love God the way that we should, His commands are not grievous to us. When we come across a standard that God gives in Scripture, we won't look at it and say, Oh, there's another one. Got to add it to the list. There will be a joy. So when we deal with topics of our speech, Paul told Timothy to be an example of believers in word. Then we need to ask ourselves some things. Is the speech that I am saying right now, glorifying to God? Am I a testimony to Him in what I'm saying? What about those, those slang words, the euphemisms, where people understand what you're saying even if you're not using the actual word? What about the off-color or the, the innuendo sentences and phrases and stories and anecdotes that we tell? Is that bringing a testimony to the Lord? Is that giving me expediency in my life and causing me to be drawn closer to God or causing the person I'm sharing it with to be drawn closer to God? What about gossip? What about slander? What about speaking badly of someone behind their backs? So maybe we set standards in our lives on those issues. Maybe we say, I'm going to have a standard in my life that I'm not going to say those things. It comes to the issue of our appearance. A lot of stuff is told and taught about dress standards in our churches. By the way, there ought to be dress standards. God's very clear about that. I believe, the, from what I understand of Scripture, the greatest principle to be used in the area of dress is the issue of gender identity, which is very important to God. There needs to be something distinctly different between women's dress and men's dress. It ought not be close. It ought not be difficult. I, Jonathan and I were over 
the night you had your accident. We had to run, Jonathan had to run Miss Katrina to her house to get a few things, and there was a couple of, a lady and something else walking down the road. And I had to ask Jonathan. I said, is that a boy or is that a girl? And he looked at him for a minute and said, Dad, that's a boy. And I kept watching. I said, no, Jonathan, that's a girl. No, Dad, it's a boy. It's a boy. I promise you it's a boy. No, Jonathan, I'm telling you, that's a girl. No, Dad, that's a boy. Can I tell you, there ought to be such distinction in our dress that there is no question. It's interesting that even the world knows what women are to wear and what men are to wear. They put them on the bathroom doors. I'm glad they do. It's pretty simple. That is the major issue of Scripture on dress. There are other issues. Modesty certainly comes into play. Very big, big issue of modesty. I think the main thrust has always been identity of genders being the, the main issue. Modesty, of course, becoming an issue. Appropriateness, I think, is an issue. Not just what we wear, but the types of... For instance, I don't think you ought to wear your casual wear that you wear to the amusement park to church. I think there ought to be a distinction for the occasion. You ought to dress rightly. It's amazing how many of us will dress up for a wedding or a funeral and we come to church and we dress like we're going to work. I understand there's times you can't help it. You're coming from work. Not able to come anyway because I think the key there is faithfulness above all. But if you can't, come the way you are. But if you can, make sure you understand the occasion you're coming to. I, I, I would say this. Anybody that walks through the doors of our church is absolutely welcome here. Absolutely welcome here. Provided they're coming to be a part of our service. If they're coming to make a statement or to get a rise out of us and intentionally do something, I'll ask them to leave. But they're welcome in this church, regardless of what they wear. Nor should we go to them and tell them they're not welcome in our church or they ought to go to the church down the road because they're not dressed appropriately. But this is one of those standards that as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to just know. We ought to understand this. The forms of entertainment that we go to, that we participate in, ought to be, ought to be forms of entertainment that are pleasing to God. That if He was sitting right there beside us, He would not be embarrassed and we would not be embarrassed for Him to be there. Because the truth is, He lives inside of us. He sees what we see. He hears what we hear. He goes where we go. And He does see these things. So I would say this. I, I would encourage our people to have a solid understanding of what standards are, why we have them, what kind there are. What is our motivation for having them? And understanding that and understanding it well, to go to the pages of Scripture and let's set standards in our lives that God leads us to have, that we can fulfill those things from a biblical perspective. I hope that will help us in the area of standards. I don't think standards is an issue for people to get all riled up about and leave a church over and get mad about. 
I think they are certainly not nearly as much addressed as they ought to be in our own personal lives, nor are they addressed in our church as much as they should be. And Lord willing, we're going to teach more on them in the future from a biblical perspective. And I hope that each of us will understand these things. You shouldn't have to wait. I know we do, because we don't always know what the Scripture teaches. But we shouldn't have to wait for the preacher to teach on it before we set that standard. We ought to find it in the Scripture ourselves. But we are going to redouble our efforts to try to help teach from a biblical perspective things that ought be, and by way of principle, things that may lead you to a standard in your life. All right? And I hope that will be a help to us. All right? Let's stand together and be dismissed. Father, we're so thankful for your word. I pray that you'll bless it. And, uh, Father, help us as we follow these guidelines of Scripture to have the right standards. Lord, there are some that certainly we hold men accountable to. We address them. We confront them. Others that we base on principles 